0: You're now listening to J House Radio in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Why be the gang and you know them niggas put it up, turned up, pipe up, club.
1: I'm back, baby, where the love? Where the love at? I'm back, baby, where the love, where the love at?
0: There he is. What's up? Yo, how you doing?
1: Man, we're on a streak now. Two days in a row of first time, like first try, Anchor's working.
0: Yes. Thank God.
1: What what was it for the 100th episode? It took us like, what, six times before it finally worked?
0: Yeah, about six times to get it to work. Yeah.
1: Well, we're on a roll now.
0: Bet, man. Bet. For everyone tuning in on IG Live right now, and for everyone that's going to listen to it later on, welcome to J House Podcast Radio. This is episode number 102. Yesterday, me and Evan talked about top five non-DC Marvel villains. Today, it is top five Marvel and DC villains. I'm your host, Eric Houston. Joining me is Evan Elliott, as always. What's up, bro? What, what, what we got on the—what's what, going on today with this list?
1: Well, I'm going to say this about the list. Yesterday, whenever I was making that list, I already knew kind of who my top five were. Right. It was just a matter of switching like four and five. I was thinking, but is it really that big of a deal between four and five? Because I already knew who my number one and two were going to be. Yeah. Um, but with this one... Once again I knew who my number 1 and number 2 are going to be going into it. Right. Um and I think you do too cuz we've talked about this before. Yeah. So it's not on here. Yeah. If not, you definitely know who my number 1 is, but yeah. you know we're going to save that till later on. So- um But 3, 4 and 5 were a bitch. Yeah. Because there was about nine villains that could have filled up those three spots. So there were six who I was like, my God, these are definitely in somebody's top five, but they just barely didn't make it in mine. Cause there's only five spots.
0: Right. So, so question um, with this top five Marvel and DC villain list, is this based off of strict criteria or, are cause I based my list off of, you know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily read all the comics, so I don't, I didn't, you know, necessarily resonate with villains from comics. I only resonated with them from film. So my whole list is comprised strictly off of film, DC Marvel villains. What did you consist yours off of?
1: Mine was off a couple of things similar to yesterday. like, But with this one, it's kind of different because I'm a firm believer when it comes to movies like superhero movies, a film is only as good as its villain Mm. because i can't think of a single uh superhero film that i love where the villain just isn't anything special yeah like all my favorite films have it's always because the villain well i take it back because i mean doctor strange i love him and the villain in that one right to me what i mean i just love doctor strange yeah um but but also actor performance like just from an acting standpoint how good did they do um And then also uh, the other two criteria is sympathy toward the villain. I love sympathetic villains. Like I love villains where you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, obviously what they're doing is wrong, but I can't say for certain if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't do the exact same thing. Same
0: thing, right.
1: Um, And then finally, connection to the hero. That's always a big thing. Yeah. Uh, like I said yesterday, villains who just happen to be there uh, have never really, really gotten my attention that much. But ones that have a connection to the hero, that's when I'm like, OK, here we go. Right. Like, this is this is personal.
0: Right. That so makes,
1: that's, that's kind of my criteria.
0: I feel you on that. That makes sense. That makes total sense.
1: All right, man. So without further ado, we can do this like yesterday and go ahead and kick us off with your number five.
0: All right, bet. So my number five, top five Marvel DC villain at number five, I have Joker, the Joaquin Phoenix iteration. Oh, here's why.
1: I I about spit my water out when you said Joker, because I was about to be like, wait, what? (laughs) Depending on what iteration you just said, okay, no, I'm sorry.
0: Continue. (laughs) I feel you. Joaquin, see, see, I know everyone holds Heath Ledger in high regard, and they have every right to do so because he is an immaculate joker. But my criteria for a villain, my number one criteria is, like you said, sympathy toward the villain and being able to relate to the villain that's my number one criteria over everything. So when we talk about Heath Ledger's Joker, we're talking about a, a, a ball of fire, chaos piece of anarchy that just comes out of nowhere, you know what I'm saying? Breaking every everything down, both in a material sense and in a psychological sense. With, and he just comes from nowhere. It's like, you know, anywhere I roam, I'm there, you know? Um with Joaquin's Joker I felt much more sympathetic toward him because number 1 Joaquin Bait this this version based um based this Joker on a mental health issue on mental health issues and society society's treatment of said mental patients and to me that just meant like especially and especially during the final scene that when, when Joaquin won the Oscar for this, I felt like there was so much tension in that room when he went up to walk on stage, just watching it from, from on live TV. Cause like this was a movie that everyone wanted to shut down. They wanted to boycott it. You know what I'm saying? He
1: Right. Well hold on one second. Hold on. I just want to say this real quick. Oh, go me. ahead, go I'm ahead. Sorry to cut you off and I promise I won't do it again. But I'm gonna correct you when you say everyone, because it's not everyone. It's see, and here's what gets me a little bit uh-huh. flustered, I guess, and frustrated, is it's not everybody, it's a handful of sensitive SJW critics who for right. whatever reason believe they have all the power. Like every time I've ever read an article about you, the internet is upset or Twitter is upset, every time I've ever read that it always boils down to about five losers who have a combined Twitter uh, Twitter following of their mother. So I mean the majority okay. of people wanted to see this
0: So Okay. And the box okay, I'll take that correction. That. That's right. I I'll, I'll take that correction. I stand corrected on that. I'll rephrase that statement. It was a handful because we did, and we did talk about that on um, on one of the podcasts because you voiced your frustrations about the SJW movement. You voiced your frustrations about how toxic they were. And so, yeah. Yeah, you're definitely wow. right about that. Um, I stand corrected on that. A handful of people wanted this, wanted Joker to be shut down. They wanted to boycott it. And as you stated, the results still, you know, the results still showed that it was highly successful and everybody wanted to see it. And I think part of that boils down to being able to tell a serious, a serious message. This was, if mental health is, which it is, it's one of the biggest, you know, social issues and issues period in America, typically issues that people don't want to address because it, it holds a lot of weight and it's heavy. It's something, but it's something that you can't just sweep under the rug. So to have Joaquin address that in this version of Joker, especially with the final scene with Robert De Niro, who's also awesome in the movie, um, you know, talk about how, you know, y'all treat me like dirt. If it was me lying on the street any other time of the day, you guys would run all over me and wouldn't care, you know, but because I killed... Um, you know, two or three frat boys who worked for Thomas Wayne because they were being douchebags and treating me wrong because I was wearing a clown suit. I mean, that's that's the hypocrisy in itself, and it's sort of like it's, it's very similar to a lot of the situations that you know that we're facing now with injustice in the system with people being treated mm-hmm. wrong, and then everybody wants to act surprised when someone retaliates you know what I'm saying so like when Joaquin acted that frustration out through Arthur Fleck when he voiced that frustration out and then it just finally exploded and led to him killing that right there was that crowning moment where I'm like yes somebody went off on people they went off you know what I'm saying and it was basically a two-tone message to society saying hey this is what happens you know what I'm saying whether you want it or not it, it yeah, was a big extreme, extreme example, example you yes. know, factor that into schools, you know, and I know this is heavy, but I mean, when we talk about school shootings and when we talk about kids being bullied in school, a lot of that is coming from them, you know, not only being in this social media world where everyone has something to say, and especially if you're using social media to, you know, feel good or boost your popularity whatsoever, if you got people commenting on your photos, calling you a loser, blah, 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 having lack of followers, so-called, and you know the cyberbullying that goes on, that can take a teenager with a not-so-stable environment to a very dark place. Oh,
1: yeah, and yes. Joker definitely nailed that message. Um, I will say this real yeah. quick about Joaquin Phoenix in that film. The, the scene in that film that really got me and had chill bumps like i I had like every hair on my arm was standing up and i was just in shock was was the uh stare dance scene and the reason for that is not just that joaquin (laughs) is an amazing dancer which he is and it's not and it's not just that they play rock and roll part two by gary glitter which you know even though he's a pedophile that's still yeah that's still a legendary track It was everything that went into that. Like, that dance right there was, I'm done caring. Like, I have no humanity left. I have no shits left to give. Like, I'm about to go on Arthur. I'm about to go on the Murray show. It's going down. And it's going down. And then later on, he literally laughed and taunted as two police officers were pummeled to death. Like, that scene right there, I was like, okay, yeah, my sympathy for this character is kind of gone at this point, which is good, because you don't want to feel sympathy, yeah. like, too much sympathy for the villain. Um, well, bro, that's a great pick right there. That's he was awesome. He was
0: darn. Over, Over to left. you. All
1: right. Now mine. Uh... At the number five spot, and I told yeah. you that I did a coin flip over this one, but I kind of made some last minute changes. And yeah. This character wasn't in the coin flip. Um, it's, it's kind of a long story how my final list came out because it could change at any moment. Yeah. So I'm just going to say it as I have it right now. Um, at number five, I've got Michael B. Jordan's mm. Killmonger from Black Panther. This, let me say, going into the film, I knew absolutely mm-hmm. nothing about Black Panther. Like, I'd seen him in Civil War, and I thought, yeah. man, this is a really cool character. I like him. And even though Chadwick Boseman was amazing in Black Panther, uh, Michael B. Jordan absolutely stole the show with this character. And to me, he's one of my top five favorite MC, or top two actually favorite mcu villains simply because you talk Mm. about feeling sympathy for a villain i found myself sitting there the whole time like wait a (laughs) minute who am i supposed to be pulling for like like i'm at that point because there were a couple of times where uh t'challa almost came across as self-righteous whenever he told it whenever he gave uh Because Killmonger was talking about, you know, we're Wakanda. We have all this uh, technology that can help the world. Why won't you do that? And then T'Challa's response was just, because I'm not king of the world. I'm king of Wakanda. And I was kind of like, well, damn, T'Challa. That's kind of, it's not really a sufficient answer there, buddy. That's a, and then, you know, later on, finally, he just kind of snapped after he showed up whooped T'Challa in that fight. he was like, you know what, I'm pissed off now, so you know what, to hell with helping the world, I'm just about to take it all over. Which at that point, it's like, okay, now I'm back on Black Panther's side. But prior to that, I mean, God, he was just an amazing character, an amazing villain, who you definitely felt sympathy for. And one thing I told you that I loved about this film is it was a political movie done right. Because it really didn't shove one agenda right. down your throat. It presented two ideas. And it, I thought it was a beautiful thing because watching T'Challa and Killmonger was kind of like yeah. Martin Luther King right. Jr. versus Malcolm X. Where you had you know the Martin Luther King style of the civil rights movement, which was we're going to love our enemies yeah. because love overpowers hate. Well then you had the Malcolm X version, which was look, yeah. man, love will only get you so far. If somebody if somebody got their right, yeah. hands on me, I'm killing them. And that was kind of the message there in that film. And man, Killmonger, that was an amazing oh. performance by Michael B. Jordan, who's he's coming up big time. Like Creed, and then this, like he's
0: yeah.
1: he's coming up. Like he's gonna yeah, be big. For sure. Love Michael B. Jordan
0: yeah for there sure no I, um Michael B. Jordan is like like I, like right when I thought like when we talk about like African American actors, especially, I'm like, who's gonna like who's gonna like fill like Denzel's shoes not necessarily fill his shoes, but like where are some other big names but yeah I, I'm not I'm ass- not saying he not not a comparison. I'm saying as in like, you know. Where some other big name black actors that are coming, and then you know we got John David Washington, who's that? Who's uh who mixed it up with Chris Nolan for Tenant, which I'm excited to see, which is uh which is uh, Denzel's son. Um, so Michael B is definitely already up there for me, man. And that was a good pick. That was a very good pick. Number four. Number four. Who's Harvey Two Face from the Dark. Yeah. Here's why I have him at number four. I'm a stickler for sympathetic villains. And you could say that everybody on my list, I am very sympathetic for. Um, 2 faced was just. I mean, you talk about a knight in shining armor. You talk about someone who did it by the book, someone who always did it right the epitome of what Gotham's justice system should be like the, the spitting image, I would say of what Gotham's uh, justice system should work like, you know what I'm saying? Being a, being a prosecutor, being a lawyer, the way he handled the Falcone family in the dark Knight, the way he, you know, was smooth and just maneuvered around everything and was aggressive. He went after everything. He, he even had a stigma, not a stigma, but like a sort of uh, untrust toward Gordon because he's like, you're out here working with all these cops that I investigated way back in internal affairs. And Gordon's like, look, bro, these are these are all the people I got to work with. And then Harvey's like, I know you're working with Batman, too. I want I want I want your trust on this, you know. So he's like real heavy. On bringing everyone to accountability and making sure everyone does their job to make Gotham City a better place. And I think that is just, before I move further, that's just the most amazing thing ever about Harvey Dent, especially in a hellhole like Gotham. So when he loses everything, when he loses Rachel, you know, and that's, and that's, I would submit to you that that's a top three most iconic line of all time. When he talks to Bruce, you either, uh, die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And I was like, wow, I'm Mm -hmm. talk about foreshadowing. Right. And I think that honestly, sometimes I wish that Harvey would have died Right then and there and Rachel would have got saved. Sometimes I, I wish that that would have been the case because the situation was so tragic. But when we talk about what's up, Chris, thanks for joining. When we talk about living long enough to die a hero or I mean living uh, dying little tongue twisted. Um, when we talk about that phrase, you know, <laughs> that can backtrack across to a whole bunch of other things as well. Because if you achieve absolute power and you get everything done, eventually you're going to become the villain. You can apply that to Anakin. If Anakin would have died in the clone wars, died a hero, we would have never seen him become Darth Vader. He lived long enough to become a villain. And I, I just think that when Joker manipulated him and put his, put his, um put his mind like, in a whole, I just think that that was very iconic, and it and when he turns to Two Face, it because you know me, what you know how I feel about Batman, you know how I feel about him, uh, you know in his no kill rule because I'm a Punisher. Yeah,
1: yeah, are wrong about it, it, but I know it, how you, you feel. say
0: so. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm more of a black and white kind of guy, more direct justice. You know, you're gonna pay kind of guy. And so when Harvey drops the law, when he drops everything that he stood for and he's like, this is the only way we're going to get justice because it's fair. I'm like, wow. I did. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't feel any more sorry for him than that. So, you know, he feels he's victimized. He's the one who lost everything. And I did. And he did it the right way. I did everything I could. And I still lost. Why was it me? And Joker proved his point that even the best of us can fall, which even applies to Batman. Even Even Batman can, I don't care how they write him, I don't care what. I'm trying, let's man, but it's hard. List, Eric. Okay, let's stay on the stay list. It's hard to do, list, man, because Batman is the most. Ooh, ugh. But, but stay yeah. Stay on the list, Eric. It's another J House. This is, this
1: another but J yeah, Two
0: Face definitely just embody that sympathetic type feel and you feel bad for him even when he dies so that that that's that all in all is why i put two face at number four
1: for anyone who's been living under a rock since 2008 and hasn't seen dark Knight, uh watch the first yes. scene that harvey dent is in and then watch yes and then skip and watch the last scene you want to talk mm. about character freaking development the, gu- the guy who you first see, you know, this this stereotypical, just yeah. strong jawline, I'm the hero of Gotham, so much to the point that Batman considers st- seriously considers putting the cape up, because he's like, hey, we got what Heidi they need- over here, what, what the heck do they need me for? Not only that, this guy has right. a face, someone they can believe right. in. This is awesome. And Joker sees that. You thought, like, <laughs> yeah, <you're> right. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's what you got. But that, uh-huh. Aaron, here's what's so sad about Aaron Eckhart. He'll never get the no recognition cap. he deserves for that movie. Because, and I use, I thought of this analogy today, and I think it's a very good one. I call him the George Harrison of the, of superhero movie villains. Why do I say that? Because George Harrison, whenever the Beatles broke up, he released some pretty good tracks. And everybody was like, whoa, this guy's really good. And he had a lot of right. great song ideas for the Beatles. But why, would, why weren't they released when he was with the Beatles? Because he was in a band right. with Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Same thing with Aaron Eckhart. Had I mean, he was in a movie with the one villain performance that I've seen that just blew everyone away. And had he not been in that, he
0: would have yeah, gotten Not only that, but a but a saved. great Batman too.
1: But I th- I think I think that speaks volume to how amazing Chris Nolan is as a director to have everybody yeah just like everybody come yeah. to the table and deliver right. like they all did. I mean, that's what makes the Dark Knight Trilogy so amazing. It's not just Heath Ledger. It's Christian Bale. Right. It's Liam Neeson. It's Cecilia Murphy. It's Aaron right. Eckhart. It's Tom Hardy. Which, by the way, number four on my list is a character who, prior to watching this film, yeah, I didn't care much about. But, but this film... Totally changed yes. me, and that's Tom Hardy's yes. Bane. But Be- before I saw The Dark Knight Rises, I always thought of Bane, and and, and I'm someone who's read Batman Nightfall, which is like the yeah. most popular Bane comic. Which essentially the premise is kind of similar to The Dark Knight. Bane absolutely wrecks Batman, and it's all about like Batman yeah. rehabilitating to fight him again questioning if he can beat him. Uh, But here's the thing that I love about Tom Hardy's band. Very. He's smart. He's he's not just all, oh, I'm muscles, I'm a big guy, kill Batman, Batman bad. Like, no. This dude, people talk about Heath Ledger's why-so-serious line a lot. Which, rightfully so, amazing line. But, People don't talk much about that scene where um, it's uh, Bane and the stockbroker, and the stockbroker is running up to Bane like, yeah. "We get like he's gonna do something to him," and he's all like, "We we gave you all this yeah. money and blah 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 blah," and then he says, "I'm in charge." He and that hand and then all Bane does is lay a hand, and do you and feel like says, it. though. No. Do you feel in charge? And I was like, "Oh Ew. my god!" And then the guy tries to go like, well, "We paid you a lot of money, and this no, and this <laughs> gives you power over me."
0: I mean, lines like
1: that, combined with the fact that I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. it
0: and I, that whole, Batman and I'm man. pointing this out real quick before you move on. That whole monologue while he's beating the brakes off Batman, gold. <laughs>
1: Yes, like it's like Ben's not even trying. This... Like, he's like this guy. Huh? He thinks that he's gonna pull up to my crib and take me out here.
0: He this, boy's love... a, this boy's a
1: damn fool. He, I mean, he straight up picked yeah. up Batman and broke him over his knee.
0: Alfred told that. him straight him. up
1: broke his back, and then the whole. I mean, there's no sugarcoating right. it. And then for him to be that brutal and the presence mm. that he had on the yeah. screen, like every line was so awesome. Like he had so many one liners. Like at the beginning of the film, wherever you know, they were crashing the plane and he says, calm down, doctor. That now comes- is not the time <laughs> for fear. That comes later. Yeah. Like so many lines. And then that guy, what did the other guy say? Though oh, his first line. Because He was talk, he was saying something about you're really loyal for a higher gun and then Bane Brace says them. or perhaps he's wondering Brace. how you shoot him before you throw him out of a plane. And I'm like God, like Bane I mean as much as I love the Heath Ledger's Joker, Bane was like the most badass villains I've ever seen. And he totally changed he my view on that character. Because I al- I always saw him as kind of this right. hulk, because that's how he's been betrayed. As kind of this hulkish villain, like right. he's big and, and strong. Okay, right. And, like what else? Like what else is there about him? But in this film, they actually connected right. him to Batman Begins, and some people are like, "But that's not his true origins." And I'm like, "Look, I'm willing to sacrifice right. the origins if this story is better." And to me, I thought it was. And I also like Joker causing Two-Face to become Two-Face more than his origins of the mob doing it. I thought, I mean, mean, shout out to Nolan. He found a way to take classic comics.
0: And and you have have that freedom when you're a director. You have that freedom to play with the origin. You don't have to directly stick to the comics.
1: I mean, but yeah, that Man, we, we could sit here all day and talk yes. about the Nolan films and how perfect they were.
0: Before I all move right, to, number three, to number three, I did want to point out one thing that about Bane. People want to talk about Origin, but last time I checked, the last time before Tom Hardy played Bane, uh, there was this film called Batman and Robin where uh, I'm just saying, man, Why people you gotta bring
1: that up. Like we're, I, we're get talking about the best I get it. I get it,
0: but I'm like, ever, he, if people want to complain work. about Origin, they got to look at the whole the whole thing. Poison Ivy made Bane in Batman and Robin, so I mean, which <laughs> doesn't well, we don't, Batman and Robin it doesn't, doesn't
1: exist. exist. We don't we don't act like that movie exists. It's like <laughs> Superman Four. We don't talk about it. We don't think about it. It don't exist. Yes, you know it. it, don't, it I'll gargle it my mouth after mentioning
0: problem. it. Um, moving on to number three is a very awesome villain who I think, who I think really, um, really filled the big bad shoes. You know, the big baddie shoes of a universal titan, and that is Thanos, as portrayed by Josh Brolin in the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
1: That's my number three. Awesome. So awesome. Great minds now.
0: think alike. Um, when I, when I think about mm-hmm. Thanos, I'm, I thought about a villain who would bring the Avengers to their knees. Someone who would at least give them a L on their plate, no matter what they did. And, and ultimately, when I look at infinity war, even as a whole, Infinity War is pretty much, I think, the most in terms of catching the essence of Marvel, capturing the essence of what Marvel comics have been and where they are. I think Infinity War is one of the very few MCU movies that captures that. We can talk about comic book events um, such as Secret Wars, both the old one and the new one, where the um where earth 616 and the ultimate universe collided therefore ending the whole universe against all odds and they still fought as if there was some hope um we can talk about we can talk about so many other you know storylines where and and ultimately i think that's where that's what marvel always what marvel has always been darker in nature but even despite being dark in the comics there's still hope because they fight even if they lose um, and that's what Infinity War represented for me. That's what Thanos represented for me as a villain. And I'm like, yes, like when, as soon as he came on screen, his monologue, like never have I ever been able to like requote a Marvel villain so quick besides Thanos. And he did it with such ease, with such poise. Cause he predicted this thing. He's like, I knew this was going to happen. This is the future. This is what I'm going to do. And it happened, you know, talking to Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange is like, Oh yeah. What are you going to do after you've completed all this? And he's like, I'm going to rest. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch the sunset on a grateful universe. And what's really scary is that a lot of people won't recognize it, but Thanos really comes from a, a true place. With his intentions, when he's talking about wiping out half the universe in a in a in an attempt to sustain life, you know, you start thinking about and and it's evil in that nature, too, because you start thinking about overpopulation of Earth. You know, there's like eight billion of us on this planet. You start talking about overpopulation, people and what do you think corporations would do? you know, when they talk about maintaining the, um, the population, how do you know that they're not like, you know, and I'm not saying they are, this is just banner. How do you know they're not like secretly, you know, somehow, um, you know, knocking off the population through food or whatever and blah, 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 which is what happened in Logan as well. Um, to, um, to the mutants, the, the way the mutants were wiped out after the, after the, um, after the accident that wiped out the, all the X-Men, the government started putting mutant gene killers in the food. And that's, that's what wiped out the, the, the mutant population. So it's not a far stretch to think about what Thanos, where Thanos is coming from when he talks about, you know, um, when he talks about controlling the population and I'm like, wow, that's real. His realest conversation to me was the one he had with Gamora. And he was like, Bro, when I found you, like your planet was starving. Y'all were out of resources. Since we decreased the population, the kids there have known nothing but clear skies and full bellies. Like they've been eating under my watch ever since. They've been living good under my watch since I did what I did, had it not been for me. And he truly owns that in every sense. Like he's not going back on it or regretting it. He truly believes that he made it better in every sense after he did it. And I'm like, that's confidence in a villain right there. If you ever want any or look for any, that's confidence, you know? So that's why I have Thanos at my number three. On top of that, he won. (laughs) And then they had to come back and try to reset the timeline. And he's like, bro, y'all couldn't live. Y'all lost, bro. Y'all couldn't do it. So y'all had to come back and mess with me. Um, and plus he's a big brooding tall villain who's mean he fights like it in end game, he beat the brakes off doors, stomped on him got he was just physical so like he's every bit of that villain both physically and psychologically
1: you know i think you said enough on him when it comes to the the sympathetic side i'm gonna speak a little bit more On the brutality side of Thanos, which I found to be even more impressive than um, the sympathetic side, because you have to understand, there's never been a villain in any franchise in history that came with the hype that Thanos did. There's no, there's never been a like. There's been some superhero films where you'll maybe you'll have one, possibly two films where it's kind of teased. That someone's about to show up, like the big bad boss. But in the case of Thanos, man, we're we're talking like 15 plus movies. We're we're talking like everything was building for this one moment. So, and we kind of got, we all got the sense, okay, we're heading to an epic showdown, but what possible villain is there that will go not just toe to toe to the Avengers, but push them to the limit like we've never seen? Enter Thanos. And my God, did he deliver. Because if I, if memory serves me right, there were not a lot of moments in Infinity War where I even got the hint. Like, oh, well, okay. Well, with the exception of Thor's axe, that was about it. With the exception of Thor's axe, there was never a moment where I was like, oh, they got the upper hand on him. No, like, you know, and then, you know, Thor showed up in, uh, Wakanda, and that was like a big moment, like, yeah. okay, the Avengers are back on it, but it it, it was for nothing. for nothing, like, all that hype was for nothing, he won anyways, I mean, this was a guy that was so bad, he had Thor acting like a right. little bitch in the Broken. second movie. Right. We're talking about the God of Thunder. You got the God of Thunder acting like a coward right. after he already killed you. Now like, he'd already killed Thanos. But Thor was still right. so scared to face reality. And then in Endgame, it's like, okay, this is the yeah. part where the Avengers are going to get him. No, the Iron Man, Cap, and Thor went three-on-one with yeah. him, and one by one, got their asses kicked. Even though there was that whole epic saying, oh, man, Cap's got the hammer. He got a couple man, shots. Man, wh- why'd
0: they, they do us long like long that, that bro? Looking back at it, why'd they do us like that? Cap was exactly. going ham.
1: Like... Like, Cap was getting them with all the shots. It was like, oh, heck, yeah, Cap, right. Cap's got the upper hand. Let's go, Cap. No. So it's Thanos. Like, for I a minute. I forgot who he was dealing with <laughs> for a minute. It was like, no. Nope. And then, man, but I guess it's because they wanted it to just yeah. for all the Avengers coming back. But even then, it wasn't, it wasn't a guaranteed W. Like, up until it, up until it was revealed... Where Iron Man had the Infinity Gauntlet because you remember Iron uh, Thanos right. threw Iron Man off of him and he's standing there looking at the gauntlet and yeah. hits him with that "I am inevitable" line and I'm sitting there like still like, you couldn't win after shooting. all Like they're about, I'm like there is no right. way they're about to take right. the second L. There's no way. And then of course he snaps his fingers, Iron right. Man's got it, and it's like okay, good. They didn't take the second. L. It was L. so they close. Damn I think they were going to. But when it comes to brutality, it don't get any like Bane is brutal Thanos is on yeah. his own level in terms of brutality. Dark side might uh, could have been a better portrayal <laughs> thanks we're, we're gonna get all it right, we're um,
0: gonna get it and, and that we're gonna get what we deserve with Dark side. We're gonna get it.
1: Right, number,
0: man, two, number two number two is someone who I hold in high regard. Forever, who I think is without thought the best Superman villain ever. I think.
1: Oh, oh man, I was expecting oh, this oh, one to well, be your number one. If you, it's, if sort twist, who, it's, it's sort you're of a twist. It's sort of a
0: twisty that. thing. Well, let me do this. Let me do this. I'll 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 make this edit. It's General Zod, but I'm gonna take my number one and put him down there and substitute another it's for, for number two, I'm going to put general Zod slash Lex Luthor of the DCEU. I'm going to put them at number two. And there's another one that I have at number one. That's, that's going to be there for number one. I put general Zod and Lex at number two because Superman, like I always tell everyone, I didn't give a rat's behind about who Superman was or what he stood for. I only thought he was a goody two-shoes boy scout, did not care about him at all until I watched man of steel. The same statement applies to all of the villains minus doomsday. I'll say minus doom because doomsday was awesome. Anyway, Um, same thing with the villains. I didn't care about Lex Luthor until Superman Birthright or and and this iteration played by Jesse Eisenberg. I didn't care because, I mean, you can only go so long as the big billionaire, trillionaire villain who just wants to be an arch nemesis for no reason. You can only go so long doing that. I'm going to destroy you, Superman, because blah, blah, blah. Like, give me a reason. Why are you here? Why do you have all of this? Like, eh, why? So I feel like with Jesse Eisenberg, they gave a lot of meaning and relevance to Lex Luthor again, because I'm sorry, I'm not going to lie. Superman Returns, Kevin Spacey, that didn't give me squat. That that didn't give me anything. But when you're able to put, yeah, exactly. Like when you're able to put hatred and bitterness in a person and make that the core reason of why they hate someone, then that makes all the more sense in the world and it makes them a more compelling villain. And so when I think about Lex Luthor and Batman V Superman, I think about how angry he is because Superman is the embodiment of what everyone wants him to be. He's this God who can, pretty much guarantee the salvation of the whole world if he wants to. But in Lex's bitterness, he's like, where in the heck was this when I was a child, when I was getting abused by my dad, when I was getting mistreated by the kids at school, where was this? You know, so he sort of views Superman as this like, bro, you're late to the scene. It's already too late. So now I'm going to destroy you. You know, that's just the way Lex is. He hates Superman. He like, And I think his monologue throughout Batman v. Superman, his every single word of his writing written by Zach and Chris Terrio was absolutely flawless, like crazy. Like on top of the roof after Superman saves Lois, you know, that whole monologue about that, that was some deep religious, like, like logic, theology that Lex was spitting. That's the problem on top of, everything Clark you on top of everyone else Apollo Jehovah Clark Joseph Kent called him by his whole name and I was like dang and you know he starts breaking down what we call who we call God depends on tribes and he's like because God's tribal God takes sides." now that's not true of course but in Lex's twisted mind that's how he feels because he's like you can't be all perfect you can't you're gonna be either all terrible or you're going to be all good you can't beat both and so he sort of cornered Superman psychologically in that way um flipping it over to General Zod what I'm gonna keep it brief Zod wanted his planet back Zod wanted Krypton back he was born that way he was made that way he has no choice that's who he is that's how he was designed he can't go against that you know And so his whole rage at the end that causes the Black Zero event trying to terraform Earth into Krypton is strictly based off not, you know, because he loved Jor-El. He loved Clark's father, but his hatred and his anger towards Clark lies more so in the fact that they had a chance to rebuild uh, rebuild Krypton and the fact that you chose humans, which in Zod's eyes, I guess, should have been easy for Clark as a Kryptonian seeing how powerful he was. He's like, bro, you should have been said yes. You know what I'm saying? The fact that Clark still defended them and chose them sort of takes Zod to a place that's like, he's like, you know what? Forget you. You didn't cost me my people. I have no more people. So now I'm going to take whatever you chose to defend over what we could have built. And that whole, that carries weight throughout the whole movie and General Zod is absolutely flawless Michael Shannon was absolutely awesome but that's all that, those are who I have for number two
1: I'm not gonna speak on Jesse Eisenberg because that, that's a whole another J House <laughs> um but I mean how can you not love Jesse Eisenberg with his oscar-winning you know what don't you start coming. don't you wow start. wow oh and oh i forgot i forgot my bad is best one at the very end ding 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 i forgot about he's that. coming the bell's right? been
0: rung it All can't right. be well, unrung you know this dark side is coming boy come on man
1: Oh yeah, I was I was crapping in my brain Yeah, that that's because they gave you Stephen Wolf in um, Justice
0: League. Had it would have been Darkseid like it was supposed to be No no I I, I
1: wow. was, I, I was wow. in the theater Batman v Superman. I was but but on on I I'll give you everything you said about General Zod. I I'll give you that. He was uh he was one of those villains that yeah. I legitimately felt sorry for. Um uh, and I honestly did not have the problem Mm-mm. with Superman killing Zod that so, that Zod not at did. All. It didn't bother me as much, um, because I mean it was interesting to see that take on Superman of, all right, well I guess I got to do what I got to do. I told him to stop. And he said no. Hell with it. Um. But now when it comes to sympathetic villains. My number two in my eyes is the most sympathetic villain yeah. that I've ever watched in any movie ever. And that's Alfred Molina's Dr. octopus Spider-Man 2. There there are so many reasons. See, when I first saw this movie, I was a little kid. Same. I saw it when it was Same. in the theaters. I was like, I was young. Yeah. So I didn't remember much about him. I went back and watched it when I was about a couple years ago and I was sitting there thinking oh my god how did I right. not realize this movie was this good Um, and largely in part to Alfred because number one there's two elements to him number one there's the element of sheer brutality yeah. seen in his very first scene when you first see Dr. Octopus what's he doing he is slaughtering a whole room of doctors and nurses just like and that's a hard scene to watch like you want to talk about dark scenes that was about movies, as
0: dark as i'd ever seen the Raimi trilogy get that's honestly beautiful... <laughs> no
1: i don't think it ever got no. any darker than that that was pretty dark and but then on the flip side of that it's like there's there's two elements to him there's the arms that are feeding into his darker thoughts which is yeah. get this science right. project up like get it done whatever at whatever the cost may be but on the flip side, uh, Otto mm. Octavius is still in there, and you see him straight up contemplating suicide. Like, he is standing there contemplating, my wife is dead, my entire laboratory is destroyed, right. I've got nothing. I, I and, and he's like, and these things that just killed all those nurses, yeah. like, I gotta get rid of them. But then they take over his mind that's like but wait a minute wasn't it working and you've got nothing else to lose so let's give this this one more go let's go for it and that whole film like he he goes to like this place of okay he's like all he wants is to complete his project even though it's going to destroy new york city in the process but he thinks it won't he honestly thinks it won't um I mean, but he says, that's a risk I'm willing to take. Um, But then at the very end, to see Otto Octavius come back, that was so freaking emotional. Where he, at the end, is like, you know what? I had it right before these things took over my mind. I've made a mistake. And I am going to do this one good thing before I die. So I'm not going to die a monster. Yeah. I will not die a monster. Like that whole scene, man. Like, I'm not going to lie. I got teary eyed rewatching it. I was like, dang, this guy. I mean, I'm not going to lie. And I'm going to say an unpopular opinion. I didn't care much for Tobey Maguire as Spider Man, even though I love this movie. Uh, I know unpopular opinion. I just thought he was way too whiny. Um, I did. I can't stand whiny heroes. Can't stand them. I can't stand them. The whole film, he was crying about stuff. Now, granted, he was having a bad day and everything. Like, MJ's off screwing this uh, Navy dude, and uh, and she gonna marry him. But I'm like, man. I don't want to watch Spider Man cry about teenage problems a whole movie. That's I, I, I totally like disagree, teenager. but that's a totally. whole
0: nother Jay House. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna do you in, like, man. Totally.
1: More. Well, I'm, I'm just gonna say it, and, and I'm, I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> Tom Holland's better. I'm just gonna say it. Coming from the guy who just said Lex Luthor is a number two. Which he is.
0: Come on. You you want to yeah. talk about Tom um, Holland, whose biggest I, problem as Spider Man, which is not Tom's Tom Holland is an amazing Spider-Man. But the writing, come on. His biggest concern is
1: Yeah, it was so bad that Stan Lee said he was the most accurate comic book wow. Spider Man ever. That's with his, that the acting with his
0: biggest had. issue
1: Stan Lee. So since creator Since creator vision means he is an accurate Spider
0: Man, I give him that, but the potential that Tom has to go and do more deeper meaningful stories is wasted in the MCU. Like, I'm sorry, it just is like
1: every superhero movie. Don't have to have some dark
0: no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying as it pertains to Spider Man as a character. In spite, you're talking about a, a guy who has to deal with his Aunt May relationships, college, super villains at some points, high school. That's a lot to deal with. Everything that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield Spider Man pretty much dealt with. But
1: But Andrew Garfield didn't spend the he, whole film crying. He wasn't
0: crying. How was he crying?
1: <laughs> The whole time that Tobey Maguire's got an annoying voice. I'm sorry, he just—he gets on the nerves. Maybe it's a personal problem. I I
0: don't know. I don't know. I I I respect it.
1: I'm not an empty seat, MJ. Spider Man. What did you? Oh my god! Cry me a river. Cry me a river. Who's
0: number one?
1: Cry me a river. Um.
0: Now, normally in that number one spot, I would have put Lex Luthor from the DCEU, but I had to switch it because as of right now, in in the social arena, there's no other issue that's more important than the Black Lives Matter movement and police brutality. So for this one moment, I switched my number one with one that you had earlier, and that is Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger. Um. I put Killmonger at number one because as of right now, as 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 is pertaining to what's going on right now, he's the most um, resonating villain that you can... He's the most personal villain that you can resonate with um, right now to understand what's going on right now. And I think a lot of the time... I think he represents... Like like you said, he's pretty much a universal opinion that everybody agrees on. He's this embodiment of Malcolm X in the extreme, sort of. Um, And he represents a lot of things that are true. And he doesn't shy away from exposing the history of where his ancestors were and where they've been. He understands that his and and what and that's even it's even true in real life what a lot of african americans even in my own community don't understand is that you know there's a lot more to and and since we're deep on this subject i'm not i'm gonna just get this out the way you know this does not pertain to all white people you know what i'm saying this is this is not pertain to um you know anyone I know because I know all my white friends, including you. Y'all are my family. Y'all are my blood, and I love y'all. And y'all know that. Um, this pertains to the generations that were ancient before any of us were ever born. Um, that ran with racism and slavery. Killmonger is right in saying that there's there was a lot that we had. We were the we're the most powerful nation on the planet. You know, that's true about the black community, about black culture. Black culture has had so many great, you know, inventions, so many great things that were definitively whitewashed and taken away simply because of the color of 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 skin. And when Killmonger exposes that, he is in a position where, you know, we're looking at Wakanda like y'all sitting up here with all this power But it's a billion other people in the world that look just like us. Forget about them not being Wakandan. They're black, period. And we got all this stuff out here. We got two minutes left on the IG live, so it's going to cut out in a minute. Thank you guys for tuning in. But we got all these all these black people around the world that look just like us. And they need our help. They're suffering from racism, injustice, prejudice, and we ain't helping them. And we got all these resources. He's like, nah. Forget all that. We're going to play the cards right. We're going to flip the whole table and we're going to treat them the same way that they treated us. We're going to come back at them and destroy our oppressors. And, you know, flawed logic. I, you know, yes, but Killmonger is exactly. Exactly the, the he's he's the exact mindset He's the embodiment of the mindset that people have right now going on during these riots. We tried. Yeah, Ma-
1: that Malcolm. Right. X mindset we tried to. The- yeah. Which, by yeah. the way, real quick to speak on this. Uh, and, and I, I taught and I think it's a crying shame. I told you that um, I didn't even know who Malcolm X was. until right. I was in 10th grade. So you, you right. want to talk about whitewashing history. That's crazy. And, it, and that was only because I, I was still never taught anything about them. It was just Black History Month in 10th grade. And they said, do a report on a famous civil rights uh, activist. Here's some examples on the board. And yeah. it's the same four you ever learn Older about as if there were only four. Uh, which, who was it? Martin. Uh, Rosa, yeah. Harriet, and Frederick Douglass. I didn't want to do them for. I'm like, I've learned about them before yeah. that. Surely to God, there was another one. So took a quick right. Google search. Malcolm X. And then when I found out what he stood for, I'm like, oh, it's no wonder. Because he did. He hurt some people, people
0: from his own him. faction. You know, people.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that pick makes 100% sense. Like I would. I could yeah. easily have Killmonger up there. And it's
0: just, yeah, Man, I had to switch situation. them because I couldn't like sit up here and, in good faith and be like, with what's going on right now, sit here. Now, if there was a conversation going on about religious persecution or, you know, how people view religion today, I would have Lex at number one. But because the current situation right now revolves around racism, It would be a it would be a a crime for me not to put Killmonger in number one when he openly said, you know, hey, they took everything from us. We're going to take it back. And then saying that I would rather die than go back to being in this modern day bondage that all of our people are in right now. And that was that to me is probably the most. Leading into Infinity War, I think that there was no better premise. There was no better story that you could tell than the one about Black Panther and Killmonger. And that was just, to me, that I, that really made me love and respect the MCU a lot.
1: Well, I mean, then not even to mention how great yes. Michael B. Jordan played that role. I mean, that's a that's a whole other element to it is like his performance like to me from a pure acting standpoint i would say that michael b jordan he was was the best of all of them because i mean thanos as much as we love to praise him was a very yeah one-dimensional character just kind of your i'm the big badass here i am you know here we go whereas kill. Killmonger, like I said, man, he was yeah, a true punch. sympathetic villain to the to the point where I found myself at one point thinking, I'm right. straight up pulling for Killmonger. Like, whenever T'Challa said that line, I'm not king of right. all people, I'm king of Wakanda. Like, that line, that didn't sit well with me. I was sitting there kind of like, well, damn, I'm supposed to be pulling for this guy, but this guy right. over here just made a really good point. I <laughs> I mean that movie made me uncomfortable but it was in it like does. a good way if that makes any sense. It was Yeah. It was like, whoa. Uh but no, that's a phenomenal pick. Now before I unveil my number 1, you got Uh
0: yeah, honorable that. mentions, of course, Joker, Heath Ledger's version. Big honorable mention. The only reason why he did not make my top 5 is because I don't relate to him. I enjoy him in the most maniacal way as like in the sense of oh he's a villain but like this guy is maniacal I enjoy him in that way but being that my criteria is based upon me being able to be sympathetic and relate I can't relate or be sympathetic to the Joker because he gave me nothing he, he's Joker gave nothing to be sympathetic about and I didn't hate him either you can do nothing but love him like from a standpoint you can't do any like there's nothing the Joker did to make you hate him you know really you know, mine is killing Rachel, but I really never liked Rachel anyway because she was unloyal to Bruce. That made me mad. But, you know, but yeah, joke. Oh, That's God. Chris <laughs> Brown
1: told us. Y'all got to listen to the great philosophers.
0: For real. Chris Brown. On and um, Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2, Alfred Molina. He is also on my list of honorable mentions as well for this. Oh,
1: yeah. My, uh, I'm just going to go through this real quick. Uh, one of my honorable mentions, who would have been at number six, okay. Jack Nicholson's version of Joker. Uh, I just didn't want to yeah. have the same villain on there twice. Uh, but this version of Joker, I feel like kind of gets swept under the rug and doesn't get the appreciation it deserves. Uh, but this Joker was the perfect balance of classic comic yeah. book, Clown Prince of Crime. Uh, in addition to right. being maniacal, uh, he was able to perfectly balance though, both of those two out to the point where he's not like Heath Ledger, who's way over here. There's nothing funny about him, but he's also not Cesar Romero, where he's so goofy right. that you can't even take him seriously. Um, and then another honorable mention that I have for the list um see here. Who did I have? Oh, uh, what? for retro. real. I feel that's, a good, I that's really, a good mention. I actually, I really liked him. I wasn't as big on Dane DeHaan's New Green Goblin. He was good, but I don't know. I was just so overwhelmed by Jamie Foxx. Yeah. I kind of felt like he was enough. Um, and then, of course, we ain't even going to speak on uh, Hans Zimmer's track yeah. for Electro. The, I mean, like I sent you the other day, like, did he really have he to did. go that hard for a villain? Like, did, like did he, I mean, dang, I wasn't ready for that in the theater, man. He, I was yeah. not freaking ready. And here's another villain that's an honorable mention that I'm not going to lie. I am absolutely shocked that? you did not have on your list.
0: What? Oh, no! Gonna- Oh, no. I did forget Ozymandias. Oh, no.
1: I'm over here. I was expecting him to be like your number five. And then when I heard that you switched out your number one, I'm thinking, okay, here comes Ozymandias. And then you said Killmonger, who's a great pick. Don't get No. Like, oh, oh my he- God. For a oh. such a fan of Watchmen, he left. Bro, his- I'm
0: hurt. I did leave out Ozzy Mendez. I'm hurt. I'm I, I, had like I had two DCEU villains, but I forgot about pre DCEU. Oh uh, yes, he is definitely in my honorable mentions. Now he is. I would
1: have. I'm shocked, man. I'm a little. Oh, I'm hurt. Eric. I'm a oh, little disappointed.
0: I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> no. And
1: then my last one is a villain that could have been in my top five. I got to keep watching more of these movies. Uh, Wow. Magneto. I've never Mm -hmm. been a big fan of X-Men. And when I say that, I don't mean that I tried X-Men and didn't like it. I just mean I was so caught up in DC Comics and everything else and Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings that I just never got to X-Men. But I'm going to say this, Magneto is, he is an amazing villain. And as as a Holocaust survivor, he's True. got a sympathetic story. It don't get much more sympathetic nope. than being a damn Holocaust survivor. That That's pretty damn sympathetic. And then for him to be as powerful and as badass as he is. Now, the one film I watched, and I was told I was watching them wrong, because apparently... See, I didn't know how to watch the X-Men movies because yeah. they did, like, two different trilogies. But apparently it's broken down like Star Wars where there's, like, a, the later ones are, like, the prequels and the original ones are the... Like,
0: well, yeah, you watch you watch story. X-Men 1, 2, and 3 first. Then you watch The Wolverine. Logan, I mean, not... Uh, yeah, The Wolverine. X-Men Origins is not canon. Um... In the in the in the in the saga after the Wolverine, then you watch the post credit scene that leads into Days of Future Past, which resets the timeline to the modern day. But they take it; they take the sequels from the 80s, building into them the new modern day timeline. If that makes sense. So after that, they did, yeah.
1: I gotta watch it because I'm not gonna lie. Know, I, it
0: sense. would. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to explain it to you in a different way. But yeah, it's it's sort of yeah. And um, all yeah, right. So who you got list. at number one? Drum roll. Like
1: you, like you have to ask. Uh, there was there was only one for me. And I know I said at the beginning that sympathetic is a huge thing for me. That's true for all villains except one. And that's because this particular villain, although he was not sympathetic at all, absolutely redefined the way people hmm. see superhero films. He he was a game changer. He showed up and... You know, I'm just going to say it Heath Ledger and okay. The Dark Knight, number one. Um... This villain, to me, was a take on Joker. You know, you talk about um, people weren't ready for Batman v Superman. Nobody was ready for this, but they accepted it. And the Dark Knight absolutely was a huge game changer. Every damn damn near every line he says is iconic. I mean every time he's on the screen, it's another moment where you can't stop watching him. What I love so much about this character is how he's messing with everyone. Like, no, you, you talk about, you know, I'll give Jesse Eisenberg this. He does. He, he is a puppet master in BS. He is. Whether I think it all like tied together and made sense is besides the point, but he was a puppet master. Uh, joker in this movie man he is a puppet master and you don't even realize right. it until we're getting near the end like you know batman saves harvey and you're sitting there thinking what well, wait a minute but why would joker lie about that like what does what would right. he have to gain and then in the conversation with harvey at the hospital you start yeah. putting two and two together and you're like oh right He lied. He straight up lied. He wanted Rachel to die. And the way he was so friendly and cordial to Harvey in that hospital room, like he felt like you got the sense that Joker was trying to tell Harvey, hey, look, man, I know you've had a bad day, but I'm here to tell you. I'm here to sympathize with you, buddy. And, you know, I did not do that to your girlfriend. That was Batman's fault, not mine. If you, if you want to be him. mad at someone, you go kill Batman. Right. You go kill Gordon. Go get Gordon. And my God, if Two-Face didn't listen, because Joker was breaking down like, about how corrupt Gotham is. He's like, you really think I'm the bad guy here? Do I look? Oh, that line he like Do said, I look
0: I like someone God. with a plan?
1: Two-Face says, you're... yeah, you're men, your plan." And he's sitting there with right. clown makeup, so it works perfect. And he goes, with a plan, really like with a plan, I right. I, I just do things, and then he hits him with that line that kind of made me laugh, but it was like some really dark humor because he tells Harvey, "You had were, plans. A <laughs> you had plans." Look where that got uh, you! <laughs> look where that got you! I was, I was, yeah, I was like, "Ooh, that's
0: wait, that's too way
1: too soon." soon. <laughs> Dang. And that scene where he Mm -hmm. gives uh, Harvey the quarter, I'm thinking, like, he is straight up getting Harvey's trust here because Joker knows, okay, he's either going to kill me and so what, I don't care anyway, but if he doesn't, I know he's going to, like, I've got him. Like, it's a win-win for me either way because I just don't care. And also, I love how in control of everything this Joker is. Like, in the... And the scene with the mob, like he walks into a room full of people that he just screwed out of a hundred and or how much out of sixty eight million dollars. He just stole sixty eight million dollars from a mafia that cares about nothing but money. And they're talking about wanting to kill. Right. And then here he walks in. They're talking about we're going to find this clown. And then he walks in and he's like, right. like that entrance. My God. And then, of course, finally, like, no, let's yeah. just go ahead and kill this guy. <laughs> Psych, bitch! I've got right. I've got grenades on. You're not gonna kill me. Did you really right. think I was that stupid? But to me, the ultimate scene that defined this Joker, it's not the why so serious dialogue or monologue, which is yeah. bone chilling. I I would argue it's like the greatest mm-hmm. villain monologue I've ever heard. Like it it is so bone chilling and. But it's the scene where Joker burns all that money yeah. in front of the Italian mobster. Because the mafia really thought that Joker was right. one of their henchmen. They thought, yeah, this guy's going to kill Batman for us. And then right. we can go back to making money. Because for whatever reason, he doesn't like Batman. And then Joker reveals right then, uh, it was, uh, the Italian guys all like, wait a minute, you said you were a I man am. of your word. Oh, I am. I'm just right I'm just burning my half like and and he knew good and damn well that the Italian mobster right. only cared about money so that's why he burned it in front of him he's like this is what I think about your morals your mob right this is what I think about all of you, and, you can and, all burn for all good care I'm just
0: yeah and I'm he said this the, he said this town deserves a better class of criminal which I think is a underrated line super underrated and I'm going to give it to him. And I'm
1: going to give I, it to him.
0: Like, he just, like... Because in Batman, when you talk about the world of Batman, and you you pointed this out, that Heath Ledger was game-changing. That Joker was game-changing. The Dark Knight was game-changing. It was, for sure. And I think in the instance of... Because we can talk about cops and robbers all day, busting bad guys, busting mafia, blah, blah, blah. Joker comes in and is like... Forget the justice system. Forget about this little pity path that you guys play. You sell drugs on the streets. Batman catches you. Forget about all that. Y'all are just playing the game. Let's up the ante and actually make this thing worth our while. And just like spreads anarchy and chaos all over the city. Let's make it fun. Let's make it fun. And I was like, bro, that deeper... And I think, honestly with jokers and like you said he almost every line he said was iconic his philosophy of being a villain and everything he said just sort of directly punctures anybody's notion of being a goody two-shoes or always doing the right thing because he knows at the end of the day people are full of crap when the chips are down these civilized people they'll eat each other and i'm like Boy, you ain't never told so much truth before in your life. Like that was so true. Everybody can.
1: And what was so amazing about that film is at the very end, there's that whole deal with yeah. the two uh boats, and one's gonna blow up the other. And Joker thing and Batman seriously thinks this is Joker's master plan. This is what he's been working right. towards. If I stop him, I beat him. And Batman's all up in his face like, this city just showed you it's ready of people yeah. uh, ready to believe in good. Yeah. And then Joker says, really? Well, wait right. till you get a load of the real Harvey Dent. Oh, and then in that moment, Batman's <laughs> like, oh my god. Like, the look of fear on Batman's face, that's when he realized, yeah. I just lost. he's like he, he beat me. Yeah. This guy actually beat me. And the uh, It to me, I felt like Nolan gave a very realistic film version of the Killing Joke. The the whole yeah takes is one bad day. Everybody's one bad day away from being me. You think your morals are? Let's test them. Yeah, all right, let's test them. And in the film, he won. Harvey Dent, like I said, you know, you had him on your top five in the first scene. He's fighting crime. He's Harvey Dent. He's this square jawed. You know, stereotypical right. looking good person by the end of the right. film he's a murderous maniac who's, who's telling the commissioner yeah I'm just going to go ahead and right. shoot your son right here in front of you because I want you to feel what I did and that oh my god and all because right. of Joker that's where we got I mean so yeah, amazing man
0: amazing fist rest in rest peace to, in to Heath, peace Ledger, to Heath Ledger, Ledger man for real Like, that was a great villain list, man. That was super awesome. And
1: and that was one thing I forgot to mention real quick about Tom Hardy. I'll just make this super brief. Quick shout-out to Tom Hardy for having the balls to take on the villain role following Heath Ledger. Because, I mean, mean, who who would want to do that? You know, it's kind of like – and also to Joaquin Phoenix, man, because, you know, there's an old saying, you never want to be the man to follow the man. You want to be the man who followed the man who followed the man because it's kind of like whenever Nick Saban finally decides, <laughs> hopefully, it's not soon, yeah, uh, to retire from Alabama. Who the hell is going to want to follow that up?
0: Because the expectation now, is, is nothing but championships, up? right?
1: Yeah, well, and it's like, you know, well, I mean, just following up, my point being the best to ever do it, or whenever. Belichick leaves New England. Like that's not right. going to be a job people are going to want. You're going to be like, uh, that's some pretty high bar. I'm yeah. expected to follow right there. Um, but you know, to Tom Hardy and Joaquin, you know, they stepped up. Well, actually, Joaquin didn't follow Heath. He followed.
0: Say his know, name. The other guy, Jared Leto. Uh,
1: that's not my Joker. Um. Again, like Batman and Robin, <gasps> Suicide Squad doesn't exist. Because um, those films are about as bad as the other. Like
0: we'll we'll see movies. if they decide to do a different version of Suicide Squad. We'll see.
1: Can't be Why not? worse. Why not? You, you couldn't make a worse film if you tried, man. <laughs> couldn't make it worse if you tried.
0: Amazing so, list, yeah, man. That was list. a great list. A lot of great villains. I agree. same to you D- what oh, oh okay okay what? you want to throw shots okay okay
1: despite jesse i'm sorry okay i'm just okay kidding. I'm we gonna kidding.
0: see but um but yeah man thanks for being on as always man always a pleasure this was a very awesome conversation a lot of great a lot of great villains man so many villains and a lot more to come you know from marvel and dc especially What's that?
1: You know what we need to do? We need to do like a worse really? villain list. But I that, that's a lie. Jesse See, no, you're
0: not. That's how I know you're gonna put him on there.
1: I'll leave I will leave Jesse off of it.
0: I know Jared's gonna, gonna be on there for sure. You gonna put him on there. You're gonna hang him on there
1: Oh, why why would you <sighs>
0: think
1: that? Why would you think that? I promise you won't be number one though. I've got someone very special okay, for number dude. one that you'll agree Bet. with.
0: Bet that sounds like that sounds like a plan. That sounds like a plan, bro. Dope. But man, Dope. thank you for being on. As always, I'm Eric Houston. This is your boy Evan Elliott. We're signing off. Thank you for tuning in to J House Podcast Radio. Follow J House Comics on Instagram at J House underscore comics. Evan at double. Underscore E19. We'll catch you guys later, man. Peace. Peace. Thank Thank you you for for joining. joining. This has been another another edition of J House House Radio. Radio.